The following podcast is presented by Ensign Services, Inc., a company engaged in the business of providing contracted for administrative and back office type support services to post-acute healthcare clients. Ensign Services provides accounting, human resources, compliance, legal, risk management, information technology, training, construction support, and other such miscellaneous services to its clients. These contracted for services are available to be utilized at the sole discretion of its clients. References within the podcast to the company and its activities, as well as the use of the terms we, us, its, our, and similar terms used during the discussion are not meant to imply that Ensign Services, Inc. or the Ensign Group, Inc. has any direct operational control, supervision, or direction of the independently operated post-acute healthcare entities. Welcome to another Ensign Services podcast. Uh, this is Ryan Rushton speaking. Today, I've got Clayton Christensen with me. Hi, Ryan. I've missed you. Greetings. I've missed you as well, Clayton. It's nice to have you today. So really, thanks for thanks for spending um, some time talking with me today. Um, our, our focus book for this year has been Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink and Leif Babin, uh, the two Navy SEAL officers um, who have led our forces in yeah, many You need to say battles. his name the right way. Jocko Willink. <laughs> Sorry, that's right. I was trying to practice. I didn't get that right. What is it again? It's hopefully, the, hopefully that doesn't come across too bad on the recording. <laughs> I hope it doesn't. Um, but they, they do tell a lot of stories uh, that are that are really interesting. Uh, they, they have led you know a number of our um Special forces uh, in many key battles over the yeah. years, and and like I said, they, they do tell stories um, that are really interesting, and, and they pick out the principles of leadership um, that that were learned, and they apply them to business. Um, they they sort of start out with a theory in the book that I'm trying to decide if I believe in or not, but but here's the theory: <laughs> um, there are no bad teams, only bad leaders. Clay, is that true or not? Yeah, I mean, when I first read that, I thought that's not true, and I and I. I can't get myself to the point where I can say, yeah, that's absolutely true yet, but I'm definitely a lot closer to their side after mm-hmm. having gone through all of their examples. Uh, it, it's it's a theory that I struggle with for sure. It, it sort of felt like uh, to me before reading this book that sometimes really great leaders are just victims to really bad teams. And I, I mm-hmm. think at the very beginning you could say something like that, but eventually in the end the leader is responsible for the team so they couldn't consider themselves a victim. But he, he uses this term and I, I liked it. I actually felt guilty because of it. He calls he calls these leaders that that see themselves as victims to their teams as tortured geniuses. It's the tortured genius syndrome. It, it's the it's the leader that just assumes they're doing everything right and if their team would just do what they're supposed to, then they would have success. Mm-hmm. But the leader who considers themselves a victim to their teams is is this sort of you know, tortured genius victim type person. So can't a leader really be a tortured genius though? Because I, I can think of a, a, at least a few examples where there there was a great leader that, that really um, had a bad team that they just had to deal with. Yeah, where the leader is strong. Yeah. Look, th- this, is where he, this is where he wants to point this out, this whole concept of extreme ownership. He says, a leader who is an extreme owner realizes, and this is a quote from the book, that despite whatever mistakes anyone on their team makes, mm-hmm. they are to blame as the leader. They are ultimately responsible for everything. They're responsible for having the right team. They're responsible for setting ego aside and looking through an objective lens. They're responsible to be effective at, at getting people to listen, support, and execute. And and I, and I want to throw another thing in there, too, that the best leaders that I see do. They, they're really good at at seeking constructive criticism and taking notes for improvement. Mm-hmm. I think you and I have 
both know and have seen leaders that are really good at that, that are they, they ask for feedback, they process that feedback that anybody's willing to give to them, and they don't let ego get in the way of receiving that feedback. Yeah, I, I really do. Some of, some of the leaders I've, I've really loved and enjoy working with the most and respect working with the most are those that really, truly can, can humbly accept feedback um, and, and really try to try to find the truth and value in the feedback. Yeah, as opposed to how I sometimes react, you know, when I hear tough criticism, <laughs> I, I, I internally get to Defensive, yeah, and I make yeah. my excuses. Well, you don't know me, or no, no, you misunderstand my intentions. It's very or, easy to do that. Yeah, yeah. Instead of saying, instead of saying, okay, thank you. Where is the truth in this, and what is it that I need to change? And look, in the end, there's really only two types of leaders. You, you, you think about this. You know, they say there's oh, there's really two types of people, and you can you can divide that mm-hmm. any way you want, right? <laughs> you can say. Uh, well, there's smart leaders and there's dumb leaders, right. or there's hardworking leaders and there's lazy leaders, or there's loved and not loved, or whatever. But when it comes down to it, the the only the only differentiator that I care about mm-hmm. is effective and ineffective. Mm-hmm. And if your team is failing, you're an ineffective leader, and it's your responsibility to turn it around. Okay, so keep trying to convince me then that there are no bad teams, only bad leaders. What What do you think the authors okay. would tell me? All right, so so Jocko and I won't imitate his voice anymore. As <laughs> thank much you, as please, I know, thank you, you thank would you, love thank you. to hear me I appreciate do that. that. Uh, Jocko tells an experience in the book, and I, I think it was a friendly fire incident, if I remember right, but I I could be wrong. Something had gone wrong in in one of their uh, missions in in Camp Ramadi or just outside of Camp Ramadi, and. And as the leader, he was furious, and he had to explain to his superiors what happened. And so he was trying to get that argument prepared, and he was doing all the research and, and, and the analysis. And then he says this. He said, I assembled the list of everything that everyone had done wrong. But despite all the failures of individuals, units, and leaders, and despite the myriad mistakes that had been made, there was only one person to blame for everything that had gone wrong on the operation. Me. Hmm. And he goes on to say, he says, on any team in any organization, all responsibility for success and failure rests with the leader. The leader must own everything in his or her world. There is no one else to blame. The leader must acknowledge mistakes and admit failures, take ownership of them, and develop a plan to win. So, okay, so that does sound nice theoretically. Okay, um, right. Okay, but I, I do feel like um, so I'm people doing, are probably nodding their heads, right, listening going, to yeah, this right sounds, now. But then when theory. you're trying to apply it to reality, right? And, and, yeah. and, in, and in practice, you know, sometimes it feels like you're doing everything that you could possibly be doing as a yeah. leader. You're doing everything the right way, and your people still just make bad decisions. Uh, you know, I'm sure there's situations where Jocko trained his team the absolute right way, did everything the right way, and and yet still they didn't they didn't follow his orders. Um, um, yeah, it, but, but think about, so what's the question then that Jocko or Leaf or, or whoever is talking to us is 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 going to ask themselves, mm-hmm. and it's, was I effective hmm. or ineffective? And and his answer was, I was, I was ineffective. It, it didn't matter how right he was or how hard he tried or how much he cared or whatever. The reality is he was not effective, and that's on him. Look, sometimes we just assume that we have always been good leaders. And and he says this, he says, that might be one of the issues. In your mind, you're doing everything right. So when things go wrong, instead of looking at yourself, you blame others. And an extreme owner can't do that. An extreme owner has to ask themselves what they need to do differently 
to be more effective. Remember, there's an example in this book uh, of of the, and I know people have heard this, so I won't get into too much detail of it. But it's the it's the seven man boat crews. They would have six seven man boat crews in the in the Navy SEAL training, mm-hmm. and they would they they put together these teams, and in one particular race, boat crew two kept winning, and boat crew six kept losing. And the leader of Boat Crew 6 was almost in, he just felt like he was a victim to his boat crew. There's mm-hmm. no way. It didn't matter how hard he worked. There was nothing he could do. They could never succeed. And so they did an experiment where they switched the leaders of Boat Crew 6 and Boat Crew 2. And immediately, Boat Crew 6 started winning a majority of the races, hmm. even though they had been losing every race, just by switching the leader. And And it's this... It's, we've seen this before. We've seen this in operations where you put a strong leader in a failing facility and it changes. And it's, it's because it's a leader that looks at themselves and says, I can change my situation. He says, uh, Jocko says this, uh, he says, leadership is the single greatest factor in any team's performance. Whether a team succeeds or fails is all up to the leader. The leader's attitude sets the tone for the entire team. So if your team is failing, according to Jocko and according to the principle of extreme ownership, that's on you. I mean, that's that's incredibly stressful sounding. If you're saying that, that <laughs> it's the, all on you, right? The, all, the, all of the, the results are entirely on me. Um, that seems like a, a lot of pressure to, to 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 bear for for that situation. Yeah, I mean, people could say that's that's really stressful, and I I I think the opposite is true. If it's all on you then it means it's all under your control too. You don't have to be a victim to that situation. And remember what, you know, Liz Weissman taught us about this, the the difference between stress and pressure and uh, use the example of, uh, of of somebody shooting an apple with a bow and arrow yeah. off the head of, of their father. And, and, uh, and he said, he said, the person shooting the bow and arrow feels pressure. The person with the apple on their head, they feel stress. That's a, that's a good, that's a, that's a great, that's a great analogy. Right. So, so extreme ownership, you're right. It is a lot of pressure, but, but if it's, if it's not our fault and all these things, I mean, think about the platoon commander of platoon uh, of, of, of six, of uh, boat crew six. If it's not his fault, then there's a lot of stress because there's nothing he can do about it and he's going to keep losing. But if it is his fault, he doesn't have to be a victim. There are things that he could change to be more effective. There is something that he can do. And with that intense pressure to change, he actually can change and he won't be a victim. Okay, so I'm 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 definitely bought in. Does does he give any does Jocko <laughs> give yeah. any give any further advice on how to how to actually be a more effective I hope leader so. then? And and obviously this podcast won't replace reading the book. So those of you guys that are thinking this is the Cliff Notes version, uh, <laughs> you know, that's that's not going to work. But but a, a few things that he says that I love. First, I love how he says and and listen to this quote carefully. He says as a leader, it's not what you preach, it's what you tolerate. Okay, I'm going to say that again. Okay. As a leader, it's not what you preach, it's what you tolerate. That that hit me like a ton of bricks. I hmm. I can preach all day long about how important customer service is, but do I tolerate poor customer service? 
maybe by continuing to hire people that I know just won't be great with customer service or I won't hold people accountable for poor customer service? Do I tolerate poor financial results because I'm willing to let slide the things that lead to poor financial results? Or am I willing to tolerate people who don't care? I could go on and on. The reality is what a leader stops tolerating stops. Right? What a leader stops tolerating stops. Preach all day long if you want, but but if you then tolerate it, that's what matters most. As a leader, it's not what you preach, it's what you tolerate. So does he say anything about the leaders? Um, does he say anything that leaders tolerate that they shouldn't? Yeah, he does mention this, and I, I probably went further than than what he says about this, but he, he, he talks a lot about how about the people that we bring onto our teams. We and especially in this industry, we tolerate mediocrity out of desperation. We, you know, somebody maybe has a nursing license, but but they're not smiley. They don't seem like they're somebody that's going to make a, a, a resident happy or their coworkers happy. And we we tolerate that because mm. because you know we're desperate and we need more people. He says we should learn to seek out candidates that demonstrate perseverance and grit. Not necessarily the most talented, skilled, or knowledgeable, but people who know how to push themselves mentally and physically and and do hard things. I mean, I, I think of the leaders that I know who are just amazing leaders that I look up to. It's not that they're geniuses, although some are. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's that they're fighters. They, they have grit. They know how to fight through hard things. And I need to be more, I need to make sure I'm looking for that and not tolerating, you know, the opposite of that, whether you call it apathy or, or laziness or whatever. Yeah, so w- what other advice does he give to leaders that stands out to you? Uh, he t- Jocko talks a lot about focusing on fundamentals, which I've always liked ever since I started studying uh, what John Wooden, one of the, the winningest uh, basketball, college basketball coaches of all time, used to always preach. And it was um, – he, he never – you know, Wooden, despite the fact that he won something like 10 championships in 11 years or whatever his record was, he he never stressed winning. He never talked about winning. In fact, he said, don't compare yourself to other people. He said, if you focus on the fundamentals really well in a very disciplined manner, then you will be amazing and winning will take care of itself. Am I focused on my staffing? Am I focused on my learning and development? Am I am I focused on my leadership development? If I'm doing the little things that matter consistently and in a disciplined manner, amazing things are going to happen. There, there's a great quote by a guy named Dan Chambliss. I have no idea who it is, but he, 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 uh, I still like his quote. Uh, he did a study on competitive swimmers. Okay. And he said this. It's a little bit lengthy of a quote, but I, I want to go through it and make sure we understand it. He said, the most dazzling human achievements are, in fact, the aggregate of countless individual elements, each of which is, in a sense, ordinary. Superlative performance is really a confluence of dozens of small skills or activities which have been carefully drilled into habit and then are fitted together in a synthesized whole. There is nothing extraordinary or superhuman in any one of those actions, only the fact that they are done consistently and correctly and altogether produce excellent. So so it's... It's making sure we're doing all the little things that we know we're supposed to be doing in a disciplined manner and not 
not giving up on those things. Uh, you know, this this uh, coach, um, John Wooden, he used to spend the first half hour of every practice when these players would come in. Players like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Bill Walton and some of the greatest people of People we've times, never heard of before. Some People that I've okay. heard of, at <laughs> least. Uh, and he'd spend half an hour teaching them how to put on socks. And then another half an hour teaching them how to tie their shoes and then how to do a bounce pass and these things that they've all been doing their whole lives. And he says, no, we are going to get these fundamentals down right. Well, Jocko agrees. He says to focus on the fundamental goals in front of you. If you do that and not focus on winning, winning will take care of itself. So how do you know then as a leader if you are winning? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's just the question you have to answer as a leader. In fact, that's your job as a leader. You have to define what winning is for your team. They have to know what their green and clean is, right? right? And that is your job to establish. They want to know the score that they're trying to get to. And I feel like in most cases, they don't. Ryan, I, I know recently you are a, a biking aficionado, it's right? True. You are totally true. into road biking and you're you're tracking your miles that you go. Do you tr what other things do you track? Time, so elevation? Track time, power, speed, distance. So so when you beat those scores, it gives you a sense of accomplishment. And you 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 don't need somebody like me standing behind you, patting you on the back, going, hey, good job riding your bike today, I, Ryan. Absolutely. Right? I, need, I need my numbers. How you, did I do? You want to know and you want to track your numbers. I sort of feel like a lot of our employees, when we don't define what winning is and put that in front of them all the time, right. I sort of feel like they're people that are riding a bike, they're exhausted, and they're looking over mm. their shoulder going, am I doing this right? How far have I gone? How fast am I going? What's my elevation? What? And they have no idea. And so the only thing they live from is, is every once in a while somebody saying, hey, you're doing a great job, mm -hmm. or hey, you need to speed up. Mm -hmm. Whereas if we define winning and they see those metrics and they see those objectives, because you've defined that winning as a leader, they have self-satisfaction and you've transferred psychological ownership to them. It's interesting. So it, it seems like really, uh, as a leader, you're really going to focus on just a few key things from what I'm hearing, uh, really effectively training your people and then really defining what, what winning looks like. In, in yeah. my case, defining what, you know, what, what, how much power, uh, we're, we're trying to get and yeah. how fast we're trying to go. Really, really what winning, defining what winning looks like, you know, they're green and clean, um, yeah, and, and, and making sure they know what the organizational objectives are. They, hmm. they don't, I mean, imagine just, mm -hmm. you know, apply it to me. I like playing basketball. Just playing in a game, you have no idea what the score is. You know, no idea how much time is left. Anything like that, you're just like, well, I know I've made a bunch, but they've made a bunch, and <laughs> I don't know. You know, I don't know what's going And And I'll add to that, too, um, and Jocko points this out. He says it's, it's crucial as a leader to believe that winning is possible yourself. The leader mm. must believe in the mission. If if the leader doesn't believe in the mission, their team is not going to take the necessary risks, right? If if you don't believe that you can fly the flag, they see through you. They know that you don't believe it. And so they're mm. not going to take the necessary risk. They're not going to fight and claw because you as the leader don't, don't believe it. Take time to teach the why to your team. We all know that belief shines through. And if belief is broken, those who are supposed to follow you see that. Your team knows what you can really accomplish or what you believe you can accomplish and, and what you don't believe. And if you don't believe, they aren't likely to either. In fact, I, I let me add this to... Um, I really think it's crucial, and Jim Collins really talks about this too, that that 
it's crucial to create a culture where people can confront you on anything and ask questions. Jim Collins says three things that a level five leader does right. Mm-hmm. He says, gets the right people in the right seats on the bus, asks the right questions, and creates a culture of debate. But you can't just say as a leader, hey guys, challenge me on anything. I have an open door. An open door policy has to be earned. It can't just be stated. Your people are less comfortable confronting you than you think. And and if you're a CIT or, or struggling as a leader or whatever, and you don't understand something, that's on you for not continuing to ask. We, we let those we work with down when we don't ask questions, but we hesitate to ask questions because we don't want to bother people and we don't want to seem ignorant and everybody else probably understands this. I believe we build trust when we continue to ask questions because then the people around us know we won't quit until we really know what's going on. Thank you, Clay. That makes a ton of sense. Is, is there anything else that Jocko and Leaf are trying to teach that would help us be better leaders uh, or more extreme owners? Yes, so much more. <laughs> but I, but I, uh, I, I won't. Uh, I won't share all of it. I, I think I barely uh, shared the tip of the iceberg. And and you know, read the book, read it with a pen, all of those things. But but let me give you a couple rapid fire ones as we as we finish off uh, this podcast. Here, okay, here's here's point number one. As a leader, and we all have egos, as a leader, learn to check your ego at the door. When you successfully check your ego, you find yourself treating everyone else with so much more respect and courtesy. And and I'd add this, actually respect your team. Don't pretend to respect your team. Mm. Don't, don't tell them we're all equals and, and nobody is. And then behind closed doors, talk about them differently yeah. or, or believe some. Look, ego clouds and disrupts the planning process and the ability to take good advice and the ability to listen and take constructive criticism. Ego gets in the way of all of these things. Personal agendas and ego... They can't be more important than what you're trying to accomplish. They can't be more important than great uh, resident care or, or flying the flag. But when we have egos, we make bad decisions because we're, we're doing it to benefit the self and not the team. And so point number one, lead by checking your ego at the door. Okay. Point number two, kind of in line with this, remember that humility is not a weakness. It's a strength. And, and, you know, Tyler and I uh, recently just did a podcast on, on vulnerability, and, and sometimes we think that vul- to be vulnerable is to be weak, and it's just not true. Yeah. Jocko, Jocko says, be confident but not cocky. Confident that, that you can succeed in whatever your challenging mission is, but never thinking that you're too good to fail. Right? And, and so be cautious and walk that fine line of, of – uh, confidence without cockiness and and like we said before accepting feedback with humility um this one i think is 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 super important um when others on your team let you down i mean i want you to think of times when people on your team have made a mistake and and you sit there thinking why would they make this decision? Why would they, you know, I, I jokingly say with, with DON sometimes that they, they look around going, how did you get dressed this morning without my help, right? Because right. they just think what, don't think that they're morons. Ask yourself the question, why would a reasonable person make such a decision? 
That's a really safe question to ask yourself. When, when Don't tell yourself the worst possible stories of, of they don't care or their goal is to make my job miserable or seek to have what we call cognitive empathy. Seek to understand the person and ask yourself the question, why would a reasonable person make such a decision? Uh, and then the last one I guess I'll point out here is is I think it's crucial as a leader to make sure that your people grasp how what they do connects to the bigger picture. And this is crucial in in interviewing and in orientation, onboarding all of these things. Make sure they know how important their job is to achieving the overall organizational objective. If you're a housekeeper, if you're a laundry worker, if you're a CNA, a licensed nurse, a MDS coordinator, make sure they see their relevance and know that that this is their job and 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 it's your job to make sure that they they see that relevance. And I don't know. I, I like a lot of what he says. I go on and on, but uh, read the book. This is a podcast <laughs> where I say, read the book. <laughs> no, this has been really good, Clay. Thank you. Um, it, you know, it makes me excited to dig back into the book and, and really um, continue to read and study and, and figure out the things that that I can continue to improve on to be a better to be a yeah. better owner. Um, do you have any any kind of final thoughts you want to leave us with before we finish up here? Uh, just just that I, I'm amazed. It sounds really stupid to say, but I'm I'm amazed at how big and how immediate of an impact and a difference that an extreme owner can make. I'm amazed how much leadership matters. I'm amazed that Boat Crew 6 started winning just by changing the leader. Mm -hmm. And it makes me ask myself the question, what am I doing? Just my very presence with my team. Am I making, am I elevating people? Am I multiplying people? Or am I diminishing people? Mm. And I, if I'm diminishing them, I'm doing it unintentionally, but that doesn't matter. I still need to change those things that, that are causing me to diminish them. I, I've seen leaders go into seemingly hopeless situations and they believe and their belief shines through and they're effective and everything just changed. Hmm. Um, I think to, you know, I used to think I was a good leader. I, I, I did. I, when I used to run facilities, I thought I'd learned so much more about it. But the more I've learned about being a great leader, mm -hmm. the more I've realized how hard it is to be a great leader. The more, the more I've learned, the more, the better I've become, the more I've learned what a bad leader I am. Does that make sense <laughs> that at makes all? A no, that I, actually I makes a ton of sense maybe, to me. I, whenever I come, whenever I actually spend enough time talking to you, I come away thinking about all of the uh, my past failing, failing failures I've had. Yeah, we <laughs> as, start, as a leader. It's, it's it really, almost like I can definitely if, relate. If, if I draw a circle on the chalkboard and, and that circle represents all the things that I know, and 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 everything outside of that circle is everything that I don't know. Think about what the line on that circle represents. That line, every dot on that line is a question that I have. Right. The more I learn, that circle expands, right? But that line expands too. So the more I learn, the more questions I have <laughs> and the more I realize that I don't know. Absolutely. And uh, But the, here's the good news. It's all on us. As an owner, it's all on us. That is good and, news. And it's in our power to make things better. Yeah, no, th thank you again to, uh, for taking the time to speak with me today about extreme ownership, Clay. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's it. okay. It's my job. I'm supposed to do that. <laughs> well, I good. Just, that makes it even better then. Well, do, you have, do you have my paycheck? I no, do. Uh, maybe. I think somebody here has got it somewhere. We'll find it. Anyway, thank you very much, Clay. All right. Thank you. Take care.